new tricks. Every dog has his day. Old dogs. Like that. New tricks. Oh, dogs. Old dogs. My dogs are barking today. New tricks. Can't find a better dog on the whole planet Earth. It's the Old Dogs New Tricks Podcast. Here's Kaikuyu and Joey. KC and JP. Hey, welcome in to the uh, next episode of the Old Dogs New Tricks Podcast. I was going to say what episode number it is, but I can't remember. 18. Is it 18? 18, right before 19. 18 and life, you got it. 18 and life to go. Oh, you know that shit? You know Skid Row? No, I don't know Skid Row, man. My, I'm a hip-hop kid. My, yeah, you right. I know. You knew it all. It all you just told me to say that. That's the only reason why I said it, man. <laughs> Strictly hip-hop, hardcore hip-hop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Under the bridge downtown, <laughs> where I do some blood. I don't know that either. You know the tune. Though. I don't know that either. <laughs> I don't know All that right. shit. Give me some cues. Yeah, man. right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, man. Um, nice to have. Nice to be back. Uh, we're trying to get back in the swing of things with the with the, with the podcast. Swing, swing it, swing it. When you get, and we have a uh, got a guest coming up. Yes. Uh, pretty soon, actually. Um, and uh, it's kind of a kind of a big deal. I mean, yeah. Like this guy's like a national comedian. National. Um, like he he has uh, not a credits. He's not a wannabe like us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you, I'm not even a wannabe. I I don't even I don't even try anymore. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a quitter. He actually he actually has views on his YouTube and yeah, online, you know what I mean. Yeah. Once I crack like 30 views on yeah. my stuff, I'm like hey yeah, we're making it. No, no, but this guy yeah yeah he's a big time. He's funny too. I, I watched a, all of his stuff. Well, you, not all of his stuff, but a lot of it. Yeah, did yeah. you check out his podcast? Because I, I think he's got a podcast too. Not yet, not yet. Because um, I, I subscribe to it, but okay. I'm so bad at listening to podcasts. You have you gave me this list of all these podcasts I should be listening to, and I'll, I I can tell you how many I've actually listened to. Zero. I haven't. It's about how you utilize your time, though. Yeah. So, like, when you work in the yard, yeah. you cut grass, what do you listen to? What do you do? Or you listen uh, to nothing? You just there with your thoughts? Nah, usually I'm listening to, you know, sports radio or, or a game on. Like, I'll listen to the Mariners or I'll listen to, you know, um, even I'll even listen to a different baseball game. I just like listening to baseball on the radio. Right, I'm, right. I'm See, weird like that. No, that's not weird. But you listen to something. That's yeah. when I listen to podcasts or okay. from around the house, whatever. But and. Yeah. and sp- Comedy's kind of taking over. Like I don't even hardly mess with any sports anymore. It's really, really strange. And I was, you know, I, I was the guy who I used to watch like log rolling and stuff on ABC <laughs> Wide World of Sports. Like whatever it whatever was, sport. whatever sport, whatever yeah. sport, cricket, yeah. women's badminton. It didn't right, matter. Right, curling. And yeah. now it's like, wow, man, I don't even watch hardly anything anymore. Huh. It's, it's like if free time, it's going to be listening to comedy or wow. doing something like that yeah yeah so so anyway that's when i listen to podcasts man so well yeah, i should probably do that i think i was listening to some comedy i think last summer i listened to a bunch of comedy like pandora comedy mm-hmm. but i was listening to like uh richard pryor radio so yeah, you yeah. get like richard pryor and you get eddie murphy and you get red fox yeah, yeah. you know some of that that old 70s um uh, African American black comedy, Mom's I guess. I don't know. and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, it's those, funny yeah. shit. Funny, there. funny, classic stuff. Classic yeah. stuff. But so, yeah, I haven't listened to his podcast. I'm going to have to now because he's coming on our show here in just a minute, um, and he is. What is the warm up guy for the Late Show? On you know with Colbert with, with Stephen Colbert, mm-hmm. um, he used to write for the Daily Show. He used to warm up that crowd. Um, he is a, a very successful New York-based comedian. 
All right, Joey. So let's bring him on, right? Paul Mercurio. Let's bring him on. All right. Say hello to Paul Mercurio. What's up, Paul? How are you, man? Good. How you doing, guys? I'm good. I'm good, man. Thanks for coming on the show. It's the uh, you're on the Old Dogs New Tricks podcast, and um, I, I know you're familiar with the show, but because uh, you probably listen just like our other tens of listeners, um, and so. But I, I wanted to, to fill in the new people who are probably will come on and listen because you know because you're on the show. But um, Old Dogs New Tricks it was uh, formed because Casey and I uh, we took a comedy class together last year, and um, we thought you know we're we're old older guys we're in our 40s um we're not too old to start to try new things so let's start a new let's start a podcast and so we kind of talk about uh you know people who who are have had one thing and then they try a new thing and and you know maybe it doesn't always work but you know old dogs new tricks and uh, i thought you would be a perfect guest because uh one thing that i i read about you uh is that you were a lawyer is that true you? Yeah, you yeah, like you say it like you're disappointed in me. Like you put a lawyer and became a comedian. Yeah, like a lawyer. Who... I didn't. I didn't come on the show to be judged. I. Could come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't need this JP in case you know, stupid initials. Um, all right. <laughs> well, I figured if you if you know if you were being judged, you you would have good objections. You know, being a lawyer and all. That. No, no, no. And Casey, you're black, right? Um, I prefer um, African American. Shut but yes. up, you lion, <laughs> lion ass. Yeah, I'm black, man. You heard of me? <laughs> I did. Oh, cool. <laughs> Appreciate it. What does it? I mean, why'd you ask that? Where are we I going? Because you have a really cool voice, so you don't sound like a white guy. That's right. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you said that, that is man. A, definitely a compliment. Because yeah, because I've been struggling with that. Because I think I sound like a white guy now when no. I talk, man. No. So appreciate no, that. No, Thank no, you. No, no, man. He's... I just, I just say whatever comes to my mind. I didn't mean anything by it. No, no, no. You're, oh. uh, you're cool. Joey and I are kind of cool, but you're like really cool. Yeah, exactly. Well, gosh darn it, I appreciate I you gosh saying darn that. It, yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> well, see, now, Paul, now you know why he's he's uh, he's my co-host, because I needed some some street cred. You know, I needed somebody yeah. to make me look cool, because I'm, I'm not. But, um, no, so it's not like I'm like this... Uh, great producer. I mean, your first name is kind of a giveaway. You're definitely not Irish at that point. <laughs> <laughs> De- definitely not. Kaiku Yule Hallahan or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. It's, so, uh, yeah, I was a lawyer. I, 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 um, I didn't plan on going to the comedy. I, you know, I went to law school um, and then ended up in New York uh, doing corporate law. I was, uh, I was in D.C. for law school and thought about living there because I liked the town and uh, but I wanted to do corporate law so New York seemed like the place really to do that but I liked business and I liked law so I put the two together so I came to New York and I got a job at one of these big firms and I started doing like merger and acquisition deals like pretty you know big companies selling them buying them and doing you know all the all the legal stuff for that and uh, no plan you know I'm like just, just a middle class Italian kid from Rhode Island so I mean I nobody in my family you know was in entertainment or even law or whatever so I mean I got a cousin that sells stuff out of the trunk of his car so I mean that's kind of (laughs) when you talk about law that kind of is where his 
focuses and walk <laughs> the other side of it. And I'm not making that up. Really so, the other side. He dresses like John Travolta in Saturday Night Fever. And he stands on a street corner and his legs are always moving like he's got like a live snake in his pants. Oh, uh, <laughs> he's, like, he's like a how you doing kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, how you doing, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, how you doing, how you doing. So, like, uh, yeah, so I, and then I don't know why I started kind of, even in law school, I had like short film ideas and stuff like that, and comedy ideas. And then I, I just was like, uh, I don't know what I was going to do. I mean, you know, I always loved watching stand up on the, uh, the late night shows, but you know, I never thought I'd do it. And then I um, started making short films when I was a lawyer, and then I made one short film, and it got into the uh, HBO Comedy Festival, and I went to Aspen, and it was in a big movie theater, my little twelve millimeter, the sixteen millimeter film. Wow! And I remember it cost me like twelve grand to make it, which was a lot of money for me at the time, and uh, still is mm-hmm. a lot of money. And yeah. I don't know why I was making it, but I just felt like I needed to make it. And then I uh, started writing jokes. As I, I kind of uh, I don't know why I just started coming up with joke ideas. And uh, and then like and then somehow you got it. You got it to a joke to Jay Leno, or a couple of jo- jokes to Jay Leno, yeah, and then yeah, it was I. Uh, our firm had gotten invited to this like swanky open house at some client's company downtown on Wall Street and you know when you're an associate a young lawyer on Wall Street like you're kind of just working 24-7 especially merger and acquisition deals they, they tend to just round go around the clock and so you know you don't really have much of a break but um, we, they said we could go down and I almost wasn't going to go down as I was so busy but I went down and um just you know, for an hour or two, I figured, let me go down and take a break. And he, Jay Leno was the private entertainment, and he was hosting the Tonight Show at the time. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. And I, um, I, I saw that he was going to be in the so I printed out my jokes. I don't know why. I had like a password file at work with all my jokes in it. <laughs> Although later in life, a, a few months ago, I went to an alumni dinner of the law firm. And this old guy comes up to me and he goes, you remember me? I'm Alan. And he was the head of the information processing center where all the documents got processed and typed up or whatever. He goes, you made me laugh many a night. I go, why? He goes, well, I had a, I have a, I have a backdoor into everybody's password and files. So I was <laughs> jokes at night. <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. I, uh, glad we have passwords, I guess. They seem to really work, huh? Yeah. And so I went up to Leno after the performance, and I just said, I, I don't know what to do. I got jokes. And maybe you could use them. You can have these. I'm never going to use them. And uh, I walked away. And, and it's funny. He called me back. He's like, okay, come on. I said a lot of that. And then, he really does like talk like that. And he goes, you might want to put your name and your phone number on here so I can call you if I want. Like, I was so nervous. Like, I didn't even think here. I'm like, Mr., you know, big shot with Wall Street lawyer guy, and I'm stupid enough I can put my name on it. <coughs> Excuse me. So uh, I thought he was just going to throw him in the garbage, and then a couple of days later, uh, my phone rang, and uh, it was uh, Jay Leno on the other end, and he's like, uh, at, at first I thought it was my friend like making a joke, and I didn't believe it was Jay Leno. <laughs> I almost like insult, insulting him like he didn't sound like Jay Leno you know like, and uh, and then finally I realized it was Jay Leno and thankfully he didn't hang up on me and he said I'll you can I need jokes for the Tennessee Monologue so I've sent stuff in I'll hire you and pay you, 50, pay you like 50 bucks to joke if I use something nice oh cool and then about a week later he called me and he 
did one of my jokes on Tonight Show and it just really just was really powerful and just pulled me into like oh my, I, was, I, I think you know like I, I watched so much comedy on TV of other people's stuff to then watch that same thing and then my words coming coming out of it and people reacting to it I think mm-hmm. that was what kind of really like hit me in the head like with a bat like, like a hit getting hit in the head with a bat it was like oh man so then it really became like an obsession of mine to start writing jokes and that and then you know, it kind of that's that set me on the path. You know. Yeah. Well, it, so if, if if you know, being a lawyer, uh, you know, going to school for that long, you must have already, you know, obviously, you said you wrote some things, but you, have you were you like always a writer as a kid? Like, did you did you keep a journal? Were you just write writing, writing, yeah. writing all the yeah, time? Yeah, that's a great question. I can't write actually. I have someone else do it. I can't spell. Oh. And, uh, no. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is sad. Yeah. I've been living a lie. Just made me reveal it. This is really fun. Jay, Le- Jay Leno's writing for you. Is that the truth? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, you know, I mean, I was a pretty good writer in school. I was a pretty good student and everything, but not, no, there was zero indication that I'd be doing this. I mean, look, I was funny and a bit of a cut up and all that stuff, but we kind of all are, you know, and... I remember like watching like Rodney Dangerfield or somebody and then going into school and like doing some of his jokes and people laughing and stuff but this was like uh, completely completely out of the blue which became ultimately problematic because I had to then you know face a decision which is am I going to keep this I was living in like a secret double life because then once uh, I started doing the jokes Leno, sending Leno the jokes he said you know you can go try the jokes out before you send them to me and and I did and then he, he said just go to open mic nights I don't know how to do it and, he, and so I was then starting to live like this secret double life as I call it where cause I couldn't tell anybody at the law firm that I was a comedian they would not have approved and I couldn't tell anybody in the open mic world that I was you know making money on Wall Street I, that would not have been a good thing so I I was kind of hiding it from everybody including my girlfriend at the time who was now my wife and so when every, all the other associates would go to dinner I would go get in a car or a cab and I'd go to a dive bar in the city and change up in the car so I didn't look so like Wall Streety you know like put on a crummy shirt or whatever and mess up my hair and take my cufflinks off and all that stuff <laughs> and go in and pick a number and CD bar and wait. And I go on stage and then run and I'd be late. I'd go back up and I'd work all night to make up for the time I was away and then I'd do it again. And it was like stressful and exhausting and like, and so, um, and it became like dicey because I was, one night there was like a nice restaurant that had a room in the back. They're doing comedy, and like one of the senior partners' wife came in. Wife came in with her friends, so I'm like hiding behind the bar, <laughs> telling the MC, "Bring me up as Paul Windmill." Like, what? <laughs> and Windmill is a street I grew up on, so like I guess that's my porn name, right? <laughs> he goes, "Bring me up, like bring me up." So like, and then I he brought me up, and I literally did like my set with my side to the audience and my face so she wouldn't see my full face oh, I was just shit. like I'm gonna have a nervous breakdown here in my 20s this is crazy <laughs> and I wasn't telling my girlfriend because I felt like it was a stupid thing to do 
<laughs> I felt embarrassed that I was doing it. It was frivolous and silly, you know. Right, right. So how was your progression? So you had a direct pipeline to Jay Leno, right? So you're working yeah. out open mics, dive bars. Did you, like, start doing better at clubs? Or once you got stuff down and went directly to Leno, and next thing you know, you're, you're on Leno? Yeah, well, no, what happened was kind of the former. Like, I, you just kind of start to work the progression, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and then you you get your five minutes together to audition for some of the bigger clubs like uh you know here in the city in new york where i'm based and and then you kind of then start like at the bottom of that ladder which is like getting on at one o'clock in the morning as a as a what they call late night comic after the main guys go up and then work your way up to that mm-hmm. and you know that was that was like a challenge because uh, I had not I was used to kind of usually setting my mind on something and getting it right not spoiled but like you know working hard and getting what I wanted to do but this was like a lot of subjective rejection you know what I mean like, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay okay whatever you know <laughs> and I couldn't I didn't know how to handle that you know like it was like well, what do you mean like I, it's funny why don't you put me on well I got a lot of guys like you I got a bunch of white guys. I need a diversity. I need women. You know, whatever, whatever the explanation was. I got a, mm-hmm. I got a guy that talks about being Italian. I don't, whatever it might be. I, <clears throat> I got a guy that talks about politics. I was talking politics, like so. It almost became like you felt like a product. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but did it's you- a weird feeling. And um, and then the other adjustment was like, I. I like had to let people have control of my life. Like some of these bar or CD bar owners and managers of comedy clubs who aren't the some of them aren't the nicest people in the world mm-hmm. have power over me and these are people that in the law firm we would literally not have let them Xerox our documents right. right and now I had to swallow a lot of pride you know because they don't care that I'm this Wall Street guy in fact it'd probably work against me if they knew it like, right alright great you're a Wall Street who gives, who gives a crap you're, you're, you know who you are here nobody and maybe you'll be somebody someday if you get good like and then I started to have a lot of doubts and I was really afraid that I made the wrong decision because I finally cut the cord I mean I it really got crazy when there was like a a knifing at a club and then I went on stage right after the knifing <laughs> Jeez. Oh, wow yeah he um, I, I didn't... was waiting to go on stage and there was a folk singer playing Blown in the Wind like badly like, <laughs> like, folks, folks, he was like, like like even worse than Dylan's voice and uh, <laughs> if that's possible and, and then there's like it was uh, this place was called Downtown Beirut 2 that was the name of the place wow he had a 2 next to it so which I Wow. I always assumed they were franchising them around the country. Yeah, yeah. I think you the know? first one probably was in Tacoma. Yeah, exactly. Uh. I, you know, waiting to go on stage, and there's a scuffle at the pool table, and guy runs out of the bar, and so the guy like, grabs, like, grabs it at the side of his neck, like, and the guy, like, kind of cut him not his juggler but he cut him and he's bleeding and he's drunk and he's like he cut me he cut me he said what a game son of a bitch he cut me his girlfriend's crying I'm like, yeah, yeah. he cut me and the guy on stage is like the answer my friend just like keeps playing like, <laughs> like, he's not getting off for anything right cops show up the walk talkies are on the guys keep hey, blowing and, just and he's singing and blowing in the wind of all <laughs> songs he's singing you know yeah. <laughs> and I'm and I'm walking out and um 
taking the shows over because I was supposed to be next. I figured, well, this is going to be over and I hear the MCs, all right, you guys ready for some comedy? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, wow. I go on stage and in my, like, white work shirt, I didn't have time to anything to change into and, it's just so it's nice to be here. I always wanted to follow a slashing. <laughs> um, which I thought for a newbie was a pretty good line, but the guy heard me say slashing, and he had all these bloody napkins, and he wadded them up, and he threw them at me, and hit oh. me in the shirt, and had this big blood stain on my shirt. Oh, shit. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, screw this guy now. I'm staying. I'm not getting off. I'm, I'm not going to out, outlast this guy. And then he came back he goes what are you doing I go, I'm trying to tell Joe he goes nobody's listening to you you know I go I know because of you he goes alright hang on and turns to the goes everybody shut the hell up this guy's trying to tell jokes <laughs> literally the whole place shut up because this guy's like bleeding from the neck yelling dude you're going to do what he tells you to do. and then I went back to the firm and I like was walking around with a file folder on I think thinking I'm going to hide this blood stain and it ended up being like I walk into this conference room with all the lawyers and the senior partner screaming at me, why do you have a blood stain on your shirt? <laughs> and I don't know what to say. And this other guy goes, what kind of shirt is that? I go, it's a Brooks Brothers shirt. And I go, why? He goes, oh, I know how to get blood out of a Brooks Brothers shirt. <laughs> he goes, club soda and lemon juice. And then another guy's like, no, Armani's a good... A good, a good oh, my goodness. Are you guys murdering people in your spare time? Like, like, <laughs> well, that's the good lawyer that knows how to get blood out of his exactly. shirt. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so it got to the point where I was like, I gotta just either stop doing this or do it full time. You know? Right. So I couldn't keep up that double life thing, and um, and so I decided to, you know, make the jump, and I sold my apartment that I owned in New York City and I moved to a rooming house just outside the city for $327 a month. And wow. And there was uh, two ex-cons. It's like a big old house and you shared like a kitchen and a bathroom. Oh, yeah. Everybody had like a 10 by 12 like bedroom. And it was like living like in a halfway house. It was like two ex-cons, two recovering addicts. And the woman who lived right above me was a 300-pound phone sex operator who sold Herbalife <laughs> diet products door-to-door. -door. Wow. And then I started to live the life of a comic, and, you know, it was not glamorous. You know, you're driving to this gig and that gig in this bar room, and it just was... And then, like, quickly... And so, you know, I think sometimes people think, oh, you pursue your dream, and, oh, it's nice and clean, and you get it. It's not, at least not for me, it's... There are sleepless nights where you're like, what have I done? I, sh I gotta go back, I should go back to Wall Street when right. I'm doing this crazy. And and I, I was really afraid, you know, that I made the wrong decision. And um, it was a really hard time because I had never been in doubt about what I wanted to do before that in my life. I was always very decisive. And now suddenly I was like unsure and knew I wasn't completely happy doing the Wall Street thing and I knew I wasn't now I thought I'd be happy with the comedy thing and now I wasn't really happy with that and I started to freak out because I'm like well what am I happy doing and I, <laughs> I feel lost and it was really a lousy feeling you know but then you realize that no one's happy so it doesn't really matter so as long right. as you so know I took solace in that yeah, yeah. drinking heavily yeah yeah 
Well, I was going to ask you about, um, you know, uh, for, for a lot of people that I know that have other jobs, um, they, they have really shitty jobs, you know, like people who are trying to be comedians. Um, I say trying to be comedians, but you know, like, I don't know if I've ever heard of somebody who was a professional, like a, like a lawyer who, who made that leap, you know? And, and I wonder if being, you know, that you were a good student and obviously a, a smart enough to be a lawyer and disciplined enough to do that. Do you think that that discipline and that training has, you know, helped you? To, uh, I mean, I, mean I, can, I can only assume it's helped you immensely in your career to, just to be, you know, organized. I think there's a two-part answer to that. One is that on the business side of it, it, it was a blessing and a curse. Like, because even, even when you're established, this is a very sort of subjective up and down business, you know, and things can be up one day, down the next, sideways the next, right? And so... Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> and this is not case on Wall Street or in business. It's generally like you want to do a deal, you want to get this deal done, company A and company B, all right, you negotiate the deal, you do A, B, C, D, E, you're done, close the deal, move on, you set dates, you hit those dates. And so I was used to coming out of almost a military-like uh, process that I could do, that I could execute, because that was my job. Whereas, you know, so then you're dealing with, like, you know, low life bar owners or whatever who just you know yeah I'll be there and then they're not there or they, they I got stiffed on pay I get off stage and they do the trick of like oh the boss left they didn't leave me a check come back tomorrow and mm-hmm. wow. you know and it was just that would drive me crazy because I was used to you know if people said 8 o'clock I thought 8 o'clock you know what I mean or mm-hmm. not that I'm a boy scout but like I just and I was taking it seriously because I gave up a lot. It wasn't like, oh, I got a lot of money, I'm a trust fund baby, and if this doesn't work, I'll go back to, right. you know, the Hamptons and drink uh, martinis and stuff. So there was that part of it was, but the good part of it was the process and discipline, uh, the ability to run process, I think did help me make it... Uh, uh, you know, sort of a more efficient process for me. Like I was able to kind of put some structure to the, what I was doing, as opposed to just throwing stuff against the wall to see what sticks. Mm-hmm. And the other part of it that was on the writing side. You know, I think writing good comedy is really like about good analysis. Like you kind of look at a situation and you break it down, you find its essence, and then you find within it what you want it that's funny to you, and then then you have to structure how you're going to say it and then you have to rewrite it and play with the words well that's all kind of what you have to do as a lawyer you know right break something down analyze it you know manipulate what you want not in a bad way but like you know massage things so I do think that there was a a training that I had that was parallel to the training you get or you kind of need to be a good comedian yeah like 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 structuring an argument it seems like there's there are parallels there you know whether you're within an argument if you're you know it's a dissertation or whatever you're doing on uh you know i would in court you have to like restate your premise every now you know every every now and then you've got some yeah exactly some things and you like uh uh, brian regan's a friend of mine he's got this really funny thing about like the iron and the ironing board and how dangerous that is you know and it's and he goes on and on, but if you really look at it, he like really broke down something that is pretty obvious that we all take for granted mm-hmm. into its elemental forms and parts, and then 
manipulated those elements to get comedy out of it, right? Mm -hmm. like I say to you factually, well, an iron is just like eight pound piece of iron that comes to a point and it sits on its on a small base. You don't think anything about it, but then and then it sits on this other table that folds. And it sounds okay, but then if you analyze it a different way and go. So somebody decided to put this uh, eight-pound piece of metal with a point on it on top of a thing that will topple over if somebody sneezes on it, you know, <laughs> then it becomes a joke. Right. It's the same set of facts. So there's just, you know, Jerry Seinfeld had this bit about, like, the, I don't know, the tray that holds the cookies. And, you know, it's not the, you know, it's not the most, like, whatever, socially, you know, conscious, whatever, but there's a lot of analysis that went, went into his joke, you know, mm -hmm. like, so I, I think that there's, there is a benefit to kind of that, that kind of education that you get as a lawyer and training where you just, you're just always analyzing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see that in your comedy, uh, the, uh, looking for the pickles uh, routine that you do. <laughs> yeah. That is that is so, when I hear comedy like that, it's like, man, that's something that happens to all of us. You know, he's like mm -hmm. looking for the pickles. His wife's like, did you look here? I'm like, that happens to almost everybody I know every day. It's relatable. Mm -hmm. But I would have never thought about writing a bit about that and the way you break it down um uh, I, was, I was cracking up it's hilarious yeah. and it's, it's really relatable um you're gonna get both sides you're gonna get women relating it to it you know wives relating to it and husbands relating to it you know and uh yeah that's good stuff yeah you know that's like and the reason i tell that joke definitely because it's relatable but that's almost the secondary priority for me it's because it really does represent who i am and who she is right, right? Because the premise of the joke is I I can't I don't have the patience to do the little things you know like put stuff back to where it's supposed to go and yeah. blah 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 and that, I can relate you know? to that yeah you know and um, I just I don't know what it is it's just not in my nature like I can't load a dishwasher because <laughs> I'm a guy it's just I don't have the friggin patience to make sure the dish goes in the right slot and the forks go up instead of down like I don't care like my brain is thinking about a bid or a call I gotta make or what's the next thing I have to do to advance with something I'm working on like and so the pickle doing represents it's a I get two you get two bangs for your buck in a way you know like you you got a, something that says something about you and then also something that's relatable, which is nice. Right, right. Yeah, and the thing you find, um, I don't know if you see this in comedy, but I can point to some really great comics, like in terms of being great joke technicians, like they're good at misdirect jokes and, you know, um, they're good at, like, you know, jokes that are blue and all that. But they ain't saying anything about themselves. And that, to me, is uh, unfortunate. You know, I think the comedy should, like, be the vehicle to convey to people who you are. Mm -hmm. But if you're hiding behind a set of well-crafted jokes that aren't really saying anything about you, and I feel like I ate McDonald's. You know, you eat McDonald's, and then 20 minutes later, you're hungry again. Like, yeah. like it's like you watch the person's comedy. Like, all right, that was funny, but like you don't leave, and nothing really sticks with you. Mm -hmm. Like, right. Whereas if somebody is, I'm not talking about making social or political comedy. That's fine too. I'm just talking about somebody that really like 
I think that's why like Richard Pryor is so long lasting as a comic and genius because he really did just live his life on stage right mm-hmm. but I think if he had just done a bunch of jokes about soap and you know sweet potatoes or whatever the, I don't think he'd be remembered as Richard right. Pryor is so I think what you're saying Paul is that uh, the fact that I go up on stage when I do and I uh, I tell jokes about myself having Crohn's disease and crapping my pants all the time that's actually that, that's that's good stuff right that's uh. well it's good only, but not good because I'm doing the same material oh so. shit <laughs> we should do a comedy Crohn's night we should we should we should I do. actually did a big benefit down in Florida for Crohn's disease organization down there. the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation is that the one I think it was yeah yeah but some swanky place in Palm Beach yeah. you know. well, that uh, Mike McCready of Pearl Jam is uh, you know locally obviously from Seattle but the, he's he's big in that and, and he, they, he talks to, he's a big uh, advocate and you know he's also got the, oh, really? the, he, he has the he's got the crones yeah so oh, I didn't know that but I think that's good you're talking about it because it's who you are and yeah nobody else I mean I don't think there are too many other people are talking about that and no no and well, so Frederick they, Douglass so, had the crones Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass is that why he invented the peanut butter <laughs> Because that's, that's wrong. Is that, oh, that's Skippy Washington, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Fred and Douglas, I just made that up. I don't know who He's that is. He's a bullshitter. Fucking bullshitter, man. It sounded very, it sounded very authoritative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Say, say, say it like you really believe it. Yeah. You know? yeah. Exactly. Well, Paul, I know you got. we got to cut you loose because uh, you've got to go and warm up the crowd on the late show because you're the, the late show comedian warm up. And, uh, but, but, and how did, I guess before we let you go, I mean, do you do you do the same set every night or is it is it similar you know is it 10 minutes 20 minutes how do you how how are you warming up the audience in New York for the late yeah, show with um, Colbert well it's kind of like a secondary job that's uh, around sort of other stuff that I do like and I just stand up on the show and it came out of when I was a writer on the daily show uh, I performed on that show I would do the warm-up there occasionally, and uh, I don't do any material. It's a complete improv with different audience members. Oh, cool. oh wow. Okay. And then what I what it turned into was I just did a one-man off-Broadway show called Permission to Speak, and you can see, people can see clips of it on my uh, Instagram and Facebook and on my website, paulmaterio.com. <clears throat> one R in my last name, not two, because it's just Australian actor with the same name. I had to drop one of the R's in my name because <clears throat> He got in the action before I did. Yeah, I was going to. Um, I have a question, a follow up about that, but let, I'll let you yeah. finish. But. Um, and so, I the show, the premise of the off Broadway show is uh, I bring people on. I just randomly pick people in the audience and bring them on stage, and we talk. And the premise is if everybody has a story, and if they're given an opportunity to tell it in a non PC environment where they don't have to worry about walking on eggshells, we'll people will relate to each other more and connect more and kind of need that in a very divisive time. It's not about politics, but it's not like a kumbaya show, but it's like I just was finding in my stand-up where I do this all over the country, like these incredible stories from people and then so people can relate to someone's story either because it happened to them or they can just relate to it and connect with it because they have heard of somebody like this but didn't know anything about it like I had a transgender person on stage and we talked for like 20 minutes about they were transitioning and what that meant and a lot of people went up to him afterwards and were like oh good for you and gave him a hug and wish and they didn't know anything about it and then they, so it took the boogeyman out of it for mm-hmm. people, you know mm-hmm. and 
So a really fun show came out of it, and um, and I've been getting these incredible stories from people that you know it just confirmed everything that uh, that I thought it could be, you know. So yeah, it's just um, I just like having real conversations with people, and the funny just finds itself. It's uh, it kind of just happens like organically, you know. Yeah, I, 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 that's that's true. And that, that, the funny, the thing that I find hard, you know, doing stand up is for me, you know, I'm a funny guy naturally. I've always been, you know, cut up and funny. But like how that translates on stage is so is for me. I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, like how how is how is me just being generally funny? How can I make that funny on stage? And then, you know, I'm doing okay, but um, you know, it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be uh, when I just yeah, when I first started out. Very naturally go on stage you got a bunch of people staring at you you don't have a script you're not an actor mm-hmm. you're not yep. in a period costume you don't have an instrument like you just have your mouth and your brain and you're like okay here I want to make you laugh at me like that's kind of it's kind of fucked up it is kind of yeah. fucked up <laughs> dysfunctional I always say if my mother hugged me two more times I wouldn't be a comedian <laughs> and and I only am half joking when I say that I do think there's a you know, whatever. I don't want to be amateur psychologist, but it's you know, it's it's. So you should feel like not comfortable. It's going to take you a while, and then you will like, or you won't like. But most likely, you will. People who like smart and work at it, they have a breakthrough, and I call that like. They start to kind of find their voice and the things that they care about. And they want to talk about. The most important thing is, I think, to just talk about what you want to talk about that you care about. That and that, and that'll come through and you'll write better and that'll make you uniquely you interesting yep. yeah. That is that's good advice for sure. Um, okay, so I did say we were going to let you go, but I did have a follow up about your uh, your name. I got a buddy of mine, uh, and his name is Pat Mercur- Merc- Mercurio, and uh, he's you know Italian, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but and then I read that yeah, you had to drop your your other R uh, because of some Australian fuck. What's uh, what's up with that? Yeah, this guy, this guy was in the movie. It was in Strictly Ballroom, which was a big indie hit he played like a hot dancer guy out of, and it was a, like a hit movie and it kind of launched him in America and it came out of Australia he's Australian and then he was in Exit to Eden and he was on TNT's Joseph he played you know some biblical character and then and I got uh, in the actors union and he got in before I did so he already had the name so I had to change my name and I didn't really want to change my name, so I had to change the spelling of my name. So I mm-hmm. dropped the first R in my name. But I noticed when you said it, you still said Mercurio. You still said Mercurio. Mer- oh, I say Mercurio. I, I ne- I ne- it's M-E-R-C-U-R-I-O, my, my actual name. But my family doesn't never pronounce the first R. We've always said Mercurio. We've never said Mercurio. Yeah. Because we're from Rhode Island, and we only pronounce, like, every fifth R. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I think that... I'm not joking. Like, sir, I think that's the reason. So I thought, well, I might as well just spell it the way we say it phonetically anyway. Yeah. Right? Mercurio. Yeah. You didn't want and, to do, like, the fully Italian thing and go Pauly Mercurio, Mercurio Pauly, or something? Yeah. Pauly. Well, my middle name is Frank, so it's like Pauly, Frankie, Sinatra, Mercurio. <laughs> <laughs> Pauly. I think I made a mistake and should have changed it completely, don't you? Yeah, I think you should have just been Pauly, Frankie, Sinatra. I mean, I... <laughs> yeah, there you go. This is the part where you help me? Is this what you're doing right now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, th- I don't yeah. think you need uh, very much help. I think 
think you're doing just fine. And um, yeah. I appreciate you, you coming on, man. Uh, I, I think yeah, that man, this is fun. You having your, you know, your experience, your background, your knowledge is, is, is helpful. And I think there's, you know, I'd like to think there's a lot of local comedians around here that listen to our podcast, although I'm pretty much uh, probably full of shit. They, they, no, they listen. They listen. Do they listen? Yeah, yeah, yeah they listen. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's a slog, you know. But yeah, it's yeah. Not, it's a slog, but you know, what are you going to do? There's, there's really no shortcut. You're going to just perform a lot, <clears and throat> keep writing and rewriting, and yeah, you know, I, move jokes around in your set. Because when you move jokes around and rearrange things, sometimes you can find themes that you didn't know were there. Ah, yeah, move move them around within your set. I, I've heard that before. I've never actually tried it. My, part of my problem yeah, I is, do is that a, I do that a fair amount, and it's like, you know. It's interesting what you do is you actually see your subconscious come to life. I think what happens is like you're writing this joke about this and this joke about that and then later you're writing another joke and then when you put those three jokes together they form a theme but you didn't see them individually. So subconsciously hmm. that theme must have been in you, right? And so right. that's one possible explanation or I could be full of shit. But, uh, <laughs> but there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of psych- interesting psychology that goes into stand-up, you know, and audience dynamic and. All right. Well, you, know, you dropped stuff. you dropped a lot of uh, gems on us. Appreciate that. Um, I'm gonna leave you oh, one one you. last thing. Tell me if I got something here. Okay, ready? Uh, how many times must a man get stabbed? <laughs> huh? Hang What's on. up? I'm sending you pictures. I'm sending you a Grammy right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Appreciate that. But thank you. Thank you for taking the time to do this interview my with us. friend is bleeding out of my neck. <laughs> Bleeding out of my neck. It's just like all you have to do is like be participating and then just let the words (laughs) in the middle of grunting. Well, I already told you I have Crohn's. I don't know what constipation is. Oh yeah, sorry, forgot about that. There you go. See, subconscious dick shit joke. (laughs) Hey man, it's always about shit. It's always (laughs) shit. Well, Paul, again, man, thanks, uh, thanks a ton. I appreciate it. Um, And hopefully, you know, the next time we talk, uh, we'll be talking about something uh, exciting coming up for you. Um, You know, maybe something on a uh, on a cool network that we can see, uh, so that you get, you know, more. Yeah, working on a talk show for me right now. uh, we have interest in with the network so yeah the talk show now we're we're kind of moving forward and getting some getting some sponsors and funding and all that stuff so good uh, good all that good stuff so yeah I'll fill you in more as I know yeah well and if you ever need a voiceover for that show um, let me know I know don't worry I got you on the list yeah you I know a guy you you were great to work with man Well, I appreciate it, man. I for a living. Yeah, I should. I should. I, I should. I should quit my my day job and become a comedian. No, actually, I actually I should. And I was going to say that too about the, being a lawyer. Like, you know, for me being a um, a voice actor, it's like it's it's a really good gig to give up, man. I I, I give you big kudos. I I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I could t- yeah, to make that know. leap. Maybe I was maybe I was just an idiot. Yeah, but now, yeah, but see now, now you're now who's the idiot now, Paul? Huh? Who's the idiot now, Paul. You had to change your name because. The actors here. I can't change it now. Yeah. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks, man. This is a lot of fun. All right. I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Paul. Thanks very much, man. Take care. Bye, bye. Hey, well, that was nice, man. Yeah. He 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 dropped a lot of uh, jewels, a lot of gems on us. You know, it it lets you know. some things you're heading yeah. in the right direction sure. and some things uh, I thought he actually had a fast it was good to hear the story because yeah. I thought 
he went the non-traditional route or just a fast track to the big time. Right, you know, man, where right. he's dealing with Leno and uh-huh. and then whoever you know. And then he goes straight to the Daily Show. Daily and then he's, Show, yeah, right? No, you know he, he's he's watching folks get stabbed and dive bars <laughs> and stuff like that. So that that was that was a great was story. Bleeding too. on yeah, my man. shirt. And when you hear stuff like that, you wonder like, what would I do? Yeah. in that situation, you know what I mean? Right. You can't prepare for that. No. No. No, but that might might be where the gold comes so like right. you know you know, like I'm up here trying to tell jokes. Hey, be quiet. I mean, that's a. And what I wanted to ask him, and I and I I I I, I didn't get a chance to. I was going to say, well, did you kill? <laughs> With the, I mean, you got blood on your shirt. Hopefully, you killed. Yeah. Uh, Not blood on his hands. Blood on his shirt. Blood on the tracks. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's a Bob Dylan thing too. Blood on the tracks. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Not familiar, Bob Dylan. No. No. Robert Zimmerman. Anyway, um, I think that was cool that he came on. Like, so he, I did some work for him. Um, um, earlier in, in, in the week, it was a couple weeks ago, uh, he and I worked together on a project. Can't really talk about it yet, uh, right. but... Um, it was, and he wanted to, and I it was, I did it sort of on a, um, what they call it, on a spec, you know, like, I'm like, okay, well, I, I'm not, I'm not going to charge you anything because it's, you don't have any money on this or whatever. And he's like, well, I want to compensate you somehow. And I'm like, well, come on my podcast. Cool. Cool, man. <laughs> so I bribed him. A little barter and I like Oh yeah, that, barter, man. not bribe. That's right. Barter. I bartered. He bartered barter, that's, that's, that's how things used to get done back in the day. Yeah. 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 I need to bring that back. A yeah. barter. I'll trade him for some salt or something, exactly. you know, and then he comes exactly. on. Yeah. But no, he was some salt. Some salt. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was very, uh, very, very knowledgeable. And and I do think that would be hard to to come to have a job. You know, a good job, uh, like being a lawyer and then going and dropping that for for to be a, a, a comedian. Well, you hear about that though. I yeah. mean, maybe not always at the level of a lawyer, but mm. you know, a few teachers. Yeah. That done it, you know, mm-hmm. stable job and, sure. and says, you know, I'm going to leave this to go pursue something unstable right. and something right. that, that could come crashing down on you right. in a minute, you know? So, yeah. yeah we, we, I, I can think of three teachers right off the top of my head that, right. that we know who, who, who are doing comedy. Yep. And, and yeah, what a great time to do it in the summer. If you got the whole summer off, you can spend time writing, you can go to all the open mics. And, yep. you know, I mean, but teachers got to, if you're an elementary school teacher, you don't have to be there until nine or you know, 830. <laughs> I mean, shit I can't go out and, and do comedy late at night because I gotta like start working sometimes at 7.30 I can't right. do that that's crazy I'm too old I'm getting too old for this shit yeah 7.30 is early getting too old for this. and you know what I was very impressed and I was happy for you that what? that that Paul uh, recognize that you're a black fella. Yeah, uh, I've been struggling with that, man. Yeah, and I, I, know. I, I, you know, I ain't got nothing against white people. You know that, man. Hey, man, I know enough I mean, white people. Cool. It's cool. I, cool. I got it. <laughs> Not you, man. You're cool. You're cool. But when yeah. do, let me ask you this: so yeah. you, you, you're voiceover actor, though, too. Yeah. So you're used to hearing your voice. Uh-huh. So when you hear yourself, it does it sound like what you think you sound like, or no? Now it does. Now it does. Now from, it does. Just from hearing yourself yeah. all the time. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm still, when I hear yeah. myself, I'm like, that's not yeah. how I sound. Nah. You know? Well, because, I mean, I when I do my when I do my job, I'm doing my job a lot with headphones on. So, so you hear it. I hear the instant feedback. Right. Because I know, you know, when people first put on headphones and they put on, talk into a microphone, they're like, that doesn't sound like me. Or right, I, right. I, that sounds weird. But, you know, it 
it does. It just sounds different into yourself in your inner ear because yeah. you're not hearing it the same same way. But yeah, I'm used to it. I'm used to it. And, and I love it. I really like the way I sound, especially when I talk like this. I don't. I hate the way I sound, man. Mm. I tried to do an impression of a white guy and I sounded just like I sound normally. And oh. I was very disappointed. <laughs> Almost like the banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> you know oh, the old, the old banana in the tailpipe trick? <laughs> Look, flow a little more naturally for you, bro. Look, man, I ain't falling for, yeah, but I ain't I, falling for the old banana yeah, in the tailpipe. Didn't, yeah, yeah, but I don't anyway. I, I'm <laughs> the, the Judge Reinhold was that for 48 hours? Uh, that's how Beverly Hills Beverly Hills yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, he put a banana in my tailpipe. Wow. Yeah. I fell for that again. Uh, but now that was, that you know, and, and I think it was funny because afterwards he was like, uh, I hope I didn't offend you because I mean, some people might might get offended. Like, what do you mean? You, think I'm, you could tell I'm black just by the way I sound? Well, oh, oh kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, when I, yeah, when he yeah. said that. And he was yeah. like, oh, I wasn't trying to, no, no. Oh, no, no, we're no cool. that was it's the best cool. thing I heard all day. <laughs> <laughs> that made me feel good about my street cred. Well, shit, after yeah. shopping at Whole Foods, living in the suburbs <laughs> exactly. up there, you're probably like really happy that somebody's like, he sound black. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, appreciate it. I'm back. Thank you, baby. Tupac. I'm back. Yeah. Well. Wu-Tang. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of that, Wu-Tang, you, you went to the, the Wu-Tang concert yes, not that long ago. Yes. Uh, how yes. was that, man? Powerful. Yeah. Powerful. I they bet. did the whole 36 Chambers album, man. Damn. The whole time I just Damn. felt like, why ain't I up there? Damn. That's my true calling. Damn. Being an MC. A lot of folks don't know that. Well, maybe That's you should quit passion. your job and become an MC. Yep. They're looking for 45-year-old MCs now, right? Yeah. Well, Wu-Tang? Shit. They're, yeah, they're, they're established. Motherfuckers are 50 by now, aren't they? They're doing their 25-year anniversaries yeah, and all true. that stuff. You know oh, what I mean? True. I have nothing. 25 years ago, I have yeah. nothing to celebrate from that. Okay. You know what I mean? uh, so, this, yeah. this, you're, you're listening to the Old Dogs New Tricks podcast. <laughs> uh, so we don't, we, there's no, there's no impossibilities here. Okay. Very true. It's, I mean, come on, man. You know what? You could put on a helmet. No one would know you're 45, except that you're <laughs> rapping about Geritol and hemorrhoids. Exactly. <laughs> Rap about my foot pain. <laughs> my foot my pain. Plant, my plant offices. <laughs> it's the ball of my yeah. foot. Yeah. It's my arches. Yeah. Yeah. Ow, my arches. But it's all good though. So yeah. Well, I'm, uh, I wanted to go to that, that uh, Wu-Tang thing, but uh, I heard ODB wasn't going to be there. So I decided I, I wasn't, I couldn't do it. Yeah. Wu-Tang's just nothing without ODB without him. Yeah, yeah, him being dead, no, probably. Oh, is that why he wasn't there? <laughs> oh, jeez. His son was oh, there, though, doing I'm all of his parts. Idiot. Was he? Was he? Looks, oh. looks just like him. Oh, that's awesome. all the theatrics. He, he jumped out into the crowd. Does he sing a little bit when he, when he rapped a little bit? Just mimics him. He, no, he, he sounds just he, like him. Think, if you close your eyes. It's like O'Shea Jackson in, uh, <laughs> yeah. in, in Straight Outta Compton. Yep, yep. Yeah. If you close your eyes. Yeah, you, really? you think it's ODB. Yeah, he does oh, all the theatrics. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. Does he do the, the cocaine and um, the jail time or no? No, no, no. I think he grew up in a, a little different environment. Probably. Probably. He didn't have to go through all those same struggles. It's like what we were talking about like last time, you know. Yep. <laughs> Don't you wish you could just stop feeding your kids so they can understand the struggle. Struggle. You know, but you can't. You cannot, no, cannot I, replicate I, I'm that. I'm telling you, I'd have him miss a meal three days a week, man, if I did it all over again. Three days a week. Nothing. My Nothing. dude, my dude, Jerry, you know, you met Jerry was mm-hmm. on the podcast. He talks about that. Man, I want to give my son the, you know, we, we, we've even talked about it on the, we talked about podcast. I want to give him the same, you know, the same experience. Like you can't replicate can't it, man. It. It's can't just not possible. Nope. Not possible. Nope. Anyway, I want to thank my guest, uh, Paul Mercurio for being on the show. Uh, very cool. And check him out on social media. He's, uh, he's on Instagram. It's Paul Mercurio, obviously, uh, let's see, M E C U R I O. And he's, uh, Paul Mercurio. 
paulmercurio.com and he's also it's just at at paul mercurio on twitter so uh follow the guy he had a wealth of information um he was a very gracious guest and, and i really truly appreciate him being on the show and check out his podcast man because you know podcasts are where it's at bro what's this podcast bro um it's the paul mercurio show oh and look his profile picture on the paul mercurio podcast he's got a better mic than i do and i'm a professional voice actor he's sitting there talking into a fucking neumann mic nice well not a neumann and Neumann, the mm. fucking Neumann. All right, whatever. Whatever, show off. Whatever, Paul. Uh, no, seriously, man. Uh, really appreciate, Paul, you coming on the show. Um, and uh, yeah, I guess that's it. You got anything else? No, nothing else, man. Okay. So I'm calling it a day. All right. Well, let's be out. Then we're out. I got to thank, uh, you know, my, my people who, who gave me the the uh, the production assistance, of course, uh, is Roberta Solomon, Doug Medlock, and Stevie Cripps at 660, 666 Sound. Somebody's calling me right now, so we got to go. Production assistance. All right. We out. Peace, Peace. y'all.